Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Studio Activity Fee. My name's Double D, Dan Dale, and we have a full crew for the first time in 2023, all in studio, all here, uh, and I, that means I'm joined by Tara Saunders, Joe Kelly, and Evan Harrington, and we're just going to get started right into this thing, because I know uh, Evan's got a little of a time crunch here, but yesterday history was made in the NBA. Looking for James, he's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter, LeBron James has shot in history. We're going to have our very special NBA analysis uh, team, Evan Harrington and Tanner Saunders, go over, you know, all the, the news in the NBA. So I'm handing it over to you two fellas, all right? All right, I guess. Sorry, Evan, no disrespect, but I'm taking the lead here. Uh, let's begin first order business. You know, obviously, you know, the main thing I wanted to talk about was the Kyrie Irving trade going from Brooklyn to Dallas. And then, you know, there's some other house cleaning stuff that like Dan mentioned, you know, like the NBA's all time regular season scoring record getting casually broken. But let's, uh, let's start with Kyrie going to, going to Dallas. So, you know, that happened, I think it was Sunday or Monday, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first round pick and two second rounders going to Brooklyn in exchange for Kyrie Irving. Evan, I'll just get started out and then I'll uh, have you pitch in your two cents on this, but let's go over the the pros and the cons here. So, talking about Dallas, we'll start out w- with the bad first. So, you know, the the bad thing about this is they gave up you gave up two starters, you gave up a bigger guard in Spencer Dinwiddie. He's 6-5. You know, he can give you some shooting, give you some perimeter creation. Like this season he was averaging 17.7 points a game and 5.3 assists per game on 46-41-82 shooting splits and he gave up a 6-7, you know, 220-pound 3 and D wing you know, shooting 36% from three and averaging a steal per game in Dorian Finney-Smith and future picks for a guy in Kyrie Irving that's only under contract for the remainder of this season and is also a guy that's notoriously unpredictable and volatile and has a history of leaving or forcing his way off of his pre- his three prior teams on acrimonious terms. Like you look at Kyrie Irving's Nets tenure, he missed almost as many games as he played. He missed 146 games and played 156, you know, due to multiple things, whether it be a combination of injuries, personal absences, suspensions for his stance on the COVID vaccine and for sharing an apparently anti-Semitic film on his social media And the other bad thing about this for Dallas is that they were 22nd in defensive rating prior to this trade and they give up their best perimeter defender in the trade as I mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith they don't have anybody on the roster that can replace his length bulk or defensive prowess which is an issue because of the power wings that 
the Western Conference has to offer that they might see in the playoffs. You know, guys like LeBron James, if the Lakers can somehow make their way into the play-in. Kawhi Leonard, Zion Williamson, those type of guys. And the fact that they don't have a true rim protector either on the roster, defense is going to be a problem for them. They, they could fix it. They could explore trade. The trade deadline is approaching. They could look at a trade for big man Christian Wood, who's currently their sixth man. He's been a good fit for them this year offensively with Luka, and he can provide some great offensive upside in lineups with Luka or Kyrie or both, but he does have defensive limitations, and if they could flip him for a better perimeter defender or rim protector, it might be wise to do so, given they have a desperate need for both of those things, and the fact that uh, Wood will be an unrestricted free agent this offseason, so that's something they could explore. Now, why is this good for Dallas? Obviously, raises their ceiling tremendously. Kyrie Irving was going to be the best player that they could get with their limited trade assets, and he gives them exactly what they've needed for the entirety of Luka Doncic's uh, Dallas career, especially since the departure of Jalen Brunson, another elite shot creator slash playmaker that can take pressure off of Luka, particularly in late-game situations. Like this season, Luka Doncic has shouldered an almost historic offensive load Uh, This year, he's averaging 9.6 minutes per game with the ball in his hands, which is the most in the NBA by over a minute. Um, His usage rate this season is 38.3%, which trails only Giannis onto the Kumbo. And he has the highest career usage rate in NBA history with a minimum of 10,000 minutes played at 35.5%. So, in other words, he has the ball in his hands a lot, a lot. And Kyrie Irving helps to take some of the pressure off of him in that regard. This season, among all players that have ran at least 100 isolation possessions, Kyrie leads the NBA in points per possession on isolations with 1.28 and is just one of three players in the NBA that are more efficient than Luka Doncic on that play type. So even if Luka and Kyrie have no offensive chemistry whatsoever, and it's just a my-turn-your-turn offense, they have probably two of the best turn-takers in the NBA. And Kyrie is going to greatly improve the team in minutes where Luka Doncic is not on the floor. Um, According to an analytics website, Cleaning the Glass, the Mavericks offense scores 120.8 points per game per 100 non-garbage time possessions with Luka on the floor compared to only 107.7 with Luka off the floor, which is a negative 13.1 net rating. And that figure, that 107.7 points per 100 possessions with Luka off the floor, is two points worse than the worst offense in the NBA. So basically what that means is that they're a good offense with Luka Doncic on the floor and horrific with him off the floor. And Kyrie will help to rectify this, assuming that those two minutes are staggered. And just touching on it uh, briefly for Brooklyn, I kind of like it for Brooklyn, you know, considering that Kyrie demanded a trade. I didn't think they'd be able to get much value for him since Kyrie was essentially forcing their hand, but they did. And they now have one of the deepest rosters in the NBA, which they could do one of two things with. You could either look to flip some of their depth pieces and picks for higher level level players like you know, someone like a Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, somebody like that, or, you know, just look to be the 2019 Raptors in the sense that you have a bunch of guys who can score a little bit, who can shoot a little bit, who can play make a little bit, defend a little bit around, you know, your undisputed superstar player in Kevin Durant. And, you know, plus this Kyrie Irving trade opens up opportunities for other guys on that roster, like a Cam Thomas, who ever since Kyrie has gotten traded has turned into prime Kobe Bryant, I believe now the youngest 
youngest player in NBA history to have back-to-back-to-back 40-point games. So those are my general thoughts on the trade for both sides. Now, Evan, I'll turn it over to you and as well as if anyone else wants to jump in. What were your thoughts on the Kyrie to Dallas trade? Uh, Yeah, I'll give my thoughts on it in just one second. But, Joe, you got something to say real quick? I do have a quick thing. I'm not the biggest basketball guy, right? But I did see this happen. Um, I, I just want to know from you and Evan, how long, how many months till we get a JFK was never killed from Kyrie Irving? That's, that's, my, that's my question. All right, uh, Evan, you go ahead and give your thoughts. <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll circle okay. back to that one. Maybe if they win the championship. I don't know. Um, yeah, so we heard a little bit ago that Kyrie Irving wanted out of Brooklyn. Uh, Kyrie Irving was playing without Kevin Durant for a while. Kevin Durant wasn't going to come back from his injury just for a few more weeks. And that team was rolling with those two on the court together. Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant um, were playing really well together as a duo. And many thought that this team had championship aspirations. They thought that if Irving and Durant can stay healthy with one another and the role players can support this is a team coming out of the East that every team should be feared, uh, should be fearful of, and potentially could make a run at the championship. But we saw Durant go down, and, and we saw Irving have to play, um, you know, basically by himself as as the lone star. And we also know that both of these guys came into Brooklyn with one another through free agency in the 2018-19 season. But now Durant's the lone guy left. Uh, Kyrie Irving requested the trade. And obviously the trade deadline was coming up. You either have to move Irving for something or just let him walk for nothing. And you could probably hold Irving and and try to win that championship. But if you don't win the championship, then really was it worth it? I think it it was best that Brooklyn made this move uh, to get him off the team and get get some um, assets for him. And Tanner, like you mentioned, I, I think this is actually a pretty solid deal. Uh, for Brooklyn now you're not replacing the player that Kyrie Irving was Kyrie Irving at his best is more likely than not a top 12 player in the NBA undoubtedly a top 15 player in the league um, as we speak this is a guy that's probably one of the top five players you want in crunch time he's undoubtedly the best dribbler in the league probably the best ball handler of all time Um, just a true scoring point guard that um, can also shoot the basketball as well and the pieces that they got back for him Spencer Dinwiddie Dorian Finney-Smith the second round pick the first round pick and the second round pick in 2029 I think these are fine pieces um that you get back for them I, I think Dinwiddie and Finney-Smith are, are are solid role players that you can work with as of now to build um with Kevin Durant and then you have Ben Simmons Cam Thomas Dinwiddie and, and Finney-Smith I think those are fine players maybe you can find a way to maybe flip Dinwiddie and maybe a, a pick uh, to get to get another solid, you know, second or third, I want to call him star player, but really nice player to pair with Durant just to support him. Um, but overall, I, I I think you got some nice pieces for Irving. But now, going over to the Dallas side of things, I think this is a great move for Dallas. Um, only because I think in today's day and day and age in the NBA, I think I think offense. Um, rules everything and you have two guys that can get to the line and and shot create um, and just score the basketball and offense any type of way I mean these are two guys that any any given night are going to give you 25 plus Uh, and we know Luca's at any given night can give you 50 plus so these two together I think are going to form the most dangerous backcourt in the NBA Uh, you probably have the two currently the currently the two best ball handlers in the NBA in the same backcourt 
Um, and Irving can catch and shoot as well. So having these two on the same court with one another is dangerous. You got Luca as the primary ball handler, but you can easily give it to Irving and let him go to work. Or Irving doesn't need the ball in his hands. You know, you can, you know, pass him the ball, find him in rhythm on a catch-and-shoot three or catch-and-shoot mid-range. He's just that dynamic of an offensive player. And it also just gives you versatility as well. You can rest Luka a little more. You can go out there and, you know, have a unit where you're running Kyrie with the twos and, and let him go to work because Kyrie Irving's that dynamic. He's going to get players involved. He's going to score the basketball at will just because that's how good of a player he is. And, and, and again, I, I like this move um, for Dallas, not only for the fact that, you have Luka, you have Luka Doncic on your roster, and you want to win with him in any way possible, right? But it, it it's almost like a reinsurance to Luka saying that, hey, we're going to do by any means possible to go out and get guys like Kyrie Irving. We we will spend assets to go out and get you a guy to be paired up with to potentially make a run and get out of the first round and potentially make a Western Conference Finals or NBA Championship run. Because realistically, when you look at the best player Luka Doncic has been paired up with throughout his career, what, Spencer Dinwiddie, Christoph Porzingis? Like, yeah. Like, like, really, this guy has not had a a uh, a, a, a 1B to his 1A. You know, like Steph Curry had Kevin Durant. Um, LeBron James had Dwayne Wade. Um, he had Kyrie Irving. Uh, you know, he has Anthony Davis. He saw Durant have Kyrie Irving. Uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, had Durant, had James Harden. Um, you saw Gian- Giannis has Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. You see a lot of these teams, uh, even James Harden is dwelling beat. Like, I'm just naming teams that have, like, another guy to their roster. And I think this is the first time that Luka Doncic has a guy next to him um, on the roster that he can rely on consistently. Not saying that Luka's not going to rely on the other, you know, three or four guys that are on the court with him. But it's 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 almost just like, all right, I have another, like, one of me out there, if that makes any, you know, sort of sense. They're both bucket getters. They're both just... They're both just basketball players. They are just straight ball players. These are guys that are going to go out every single night and hoop and just get you points. And that's what you're going to need in today's day and, the re- day and age in the NBA. You need guys that are going to go out there and get you 30 and, you know, any single night. Um, and that's what Mark Cuban and the, and the Mavs you know, looked at and realized. And I think this is a good move. Um, I, don't, I don't know if this move is going to win you an NBA championship because you still got to go through some really tough teams um, in the West, even though the West isn't as good this year as it has been in past years, but there's still some really, really, really good teams um, in there. And you mentioned that they're not going to be as good defending those big wings, and that that is a problem, but at the same time, it's it's also a problem uh, for teams to defend a backcourt that's as dynamic as, you know, the Irving and Doncic one. I remember I was, I was uh, before the show, I was, listening to Draymond Green on his podcast and he said yeah I like the move but like I I, I don't like the move because it's going to be unpredictably hard to guard um you know a, a team that's led by Irving and Doncic it's already hard enough to to you know defend 77 Luka Doncic but now you're pairing him up with Kyrie Irving and you you don't know which one's gonna have the ball in their hand you don't know how they're gonna move around you know the perimeter and you know cut cut the paint and stuff to get open like these guys are just going to be scoring it all well and Honestly, like I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, the Mavs have Irving and Doncic on on the floor, at least one of them on the floor, at, you know, at every single moment. Mm-hmm. If if not eighty five ninety percent of the game, like you you want these guys on the floor, and, and if Irving and Doncic can stay healthy, 
I think this is undoubtedly probably a top three team in the West. And I think this is a team that, if they get hot at the right time, can can make a run for the championship. Hey, we saw it happen last year. I'm right there with you. I think it'll be interesting to see how they uh, they play off each other when they're on the court together. Do we see, you know, Luka set screens for Kyrie? Do we see Kyrie, you know, move off the ball a little more or just spot up on, you know, Luka pick and rolls, isos or post-ups, which you mentioned he can do. He's shooting 38% on catch-and-shoot threes this year and is at 40% for his career. So, you know, he could su- succeed in that role. All that remains to be seen, but the bottom line is that this offense could be absolutely terrifying and you, you summed up pretty much my overall thoughts. You know, at face value, trading a slightly above average point guard, a 3 and D wing for an Innis Prime all-star, all-NBA caliber player, and a distant first-round pick, that seems like a slam dunk. But this trade also kind of has disaster potential. Like, I think it has as much potential to go south and be the final straw that forces Luka out of Dallas if it doesn't work out and, say, Kyrie walks this offseason, as it does to be the thing that keeps Luka in Dallas if it works out and, say, they make the West. Western Conference Finals again, or the Finals this year. It's it's a risk, but it's a justifiable roll of the dice that you got to take when you have a generational talent on your roster that you haven't been able to adequately build around. This is his first all-star teammate that he's had in his first four seasons, so it's a justifiable uh, roll of the dice for Dallas. Now, we can uh, move on to the King. I, I actually, oh, yeah. actually ahead, I want to cover one more thing on this. The yep. one thing that I'm actually pleased about that took place with the trade was that it wasn't a complete overpay by Dallas. And what I mean by this is we've seen trades, uh, one in particular, the Rudy Gobert trade, where it was a completely, completely just, you know, sell by the Timberwolves, in my opinion, because the Timberwolves gives up Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leonardo Balmaro, um, a 2022 first-round pick, Jared Vanderbilt, um, in other, four other first-round picks and a 2026 pick swap just for Rudy Gobert. And now now Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Dorian Finney-Smith are, are better than any players that were listed in there, and they're probably in their own rights worth potentially a first-round pick or at least a second. The Mavs only gave up a first-round pick in, in two seconds. And so I'm glad this trade kind of settled back the the NBA trade market a little bit because no don't no, no no like slam on, on Rudy Gobert he's, he's a good player in, in in his own rights but he isn't worth the 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 picks that were given for him uh, now I think this is what a, a normal NBA trade should look like I think this is what Kyrie Irving's worth in a sense maybe maybe a little more uh, but I th- I think this is a good trade overall and it really just kind of set the set the market again and just overall the Mavericks are the sixth seed in the West right now, just a game above the Warriors and only and only a game um ahead of the Pelicans. So like that West is really tight and I think this move is just gonna help the Mavericks just kinda bolster themselves up in the Western Conference a little bit as well. Now, what was that you said, Joe? How long before we hear a JFK didn't get assassinated from Kyrie? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, every podcast I've listened to in the past 24 hours since this news has broken, um, that, that, that's that been the darkness retreat from Rogers, which we'll probably get into at some point, and then how long until, like, we give it four months until Irving goes off the handle and, and tanks the team. Yeah. That's uh, that's the danger of making this trade. Like I said, is Kyrie is notoriously unpredictable, you know, especially and volatile, especially in the off court. Um, 
setting. You know, he has a history of, you know, being controversial off the court and, you know, on the court, leaving his past three teams on acrimonious terms. So although I will say, in fairness, you know, I'm not the biggest conspiracy theorist. I know this isn't a conspiracy theory show, but JFK, Leo Harvey Oswald was not the only shooter. I'll, ju- I'll just leave it at that. But uh, all right, now we can talk about and yeah, um, LeBron James last <laughs> night. Dan shaking it. <laughs> Did he just mute my mic? He muted mine. I don't know. I I don't know what's happening anymore. So I'm just maybe Dan's Lee Harvey Oswald. What? Maybe Dan's the second shooter. Were you at maybe. the grassy knoll on whatever date 1964? Dan's a time traveler. Dan is a time traveler. Dan wasn't even a thought. I, was, I wasn't even thought about you, Tanner. All right, get back on track here. LeBron James <laughs> oh last night. How do against... we go from that to LeBron? Well, we... hey, I just had to make it known. Dan's like... a king. LeBron's a king. I don't see a problem. There we go. We're going from one king to the next. Place the crown upon the... <laughs> No! Oh, my God. All right, LeBron James, last night, OKC Thunder, became the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA in the regular season on a little fadeaway jumper from the free throw line the end of the third quarter. Evan, I know you were watching the game, as was I. Uh, What were your thoughts on that moment? I mean, you know, for me, I'll just say it was pretty cool because, you know, I haven't watched as much NBA this year or over the years as I would like to, but whenever there's some history, you best believe I'm always watching it. Like, I remember I watched the game live where Russell Westbrook tied the record for most triple-doubles in a season with 41, and then, you know, going to this, I'm sure I've watched a game where Stephen Curry set a record of some sort so just it was it was cool to witness that yeah uh overall with the you know the breaking of lebron james breaking the all-time uh nba scoring record it, it, it's something that you will only see once in a lifetime and, and that's not a saying like you look at like a player like lebron you only see a player like lebron once in a lifetime that is true but you'll you'll see a lot of guys that will get compared to lebron and jordan throughout their careers we already got one in luka Doncic and in some others as well but just the just the feeling of seeing a guy uh play for 20 years in the league and in myself i'm 19 so this is a player that i've literally grown up watching um break such a you know, fantastic record, you know, held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for just about 40 years. Um, it's just sensational. And again, it it is something you will never witness in your life again. I, I am certain that many people listening to us right now or people watching the game last night, people listening to other talk shows um, today talking about the game and LeBron breaking the all-time NBA scoring record are thinking, oh, okay, whatever, it's another day. You know, records records are meant to be broken, and and that is true. Records are meant to be broken. Records are broken, you know, every other game, uh, and that don't get talked about. There's records that are broken within franchises. There's records that are just broken within the NBA uh, league in itself. But the gratitude and, and, and like the the long lasting, um, the long lasting effect that this record has held within the league itself um, has been so touching to many people. Um, and it has been amazing to just witness uh, players attempt to, to to reach it, you know, to reach the top of the ladder, uh, to break this record held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it took a kid all the way from Akron, Ohio, 
to to end up breaking the record, and then that is LeBron James. And now people are going to try to knock LeBron, saying, "Oh, he plays in an in era where three point shooting this, that, and the third. I don't care. The guy, the guy played twenty years in the league. Um, he also played a hundred, hundred fifty less games than Abdul Jabbar, and he's doing it shooting the basketball at fifty point five percent from the field. Uh, overall, just phenomenal, phenomenal job from LeBron. I would have. Wish the Lakers would have won the game, though. But overall, like, congrats to LeBron. It's something that's not going to get broken, more likely than not in my lifetime. And if it does, it's probably not going to be for 40 to 50 years. And by that time, I'll be 60 years old. And I'll look back at it and go, yeah, I remember sitting on my couch that one night and watching LeBron hit that fadeaway from the left elbow and, and you know, and, and uh, you know breaking Kareem's record. And... You know, it was great to see a legend like that in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, get up, go you know, go to the half court and, and witness that in person, and and you know give LeBron the ball and you know shake his hand and, and take the photo on half court uh, with him and, and Adam Silver as well. And and again, it, it's just something that you don't think about it in the moment, but you're just like looking back on it, you're like, yeah, you know, that that was pretty cool to witness, like. Like that that's a pretty cool moment. There, there's certain things in sports that you you look back on and, and go, okay, even though I may or may not have liked the outcome of it, that was pretty cool. That that's something that I I'll probably never see again. Um, whether that's you know watching LeBron break the record uh, for all time, you know the points leader, or Steph Curry breaking the NBA three point record, or you know the 13 seconds game with the Bills and Chiefs. Like these are things that just just don't happen. You know. And I'm only saying that because I witnessed that in person, but these are yeah. just things that don't happen. You don't see these too often. The Tage Thompson five goal period, you don't you don't see that too often. You know? Like you you just don't see these things in sports all that often. And I and I think sometimes people just need to, you know, appreciate them a little more. Um, and overall, you know, congrats to LeBron, his, his family, all the teams and organizations he's played for and, and all that all that stuff. But um yeah, still second all time though. <laughs> yep, um, I'm I'm right there with you. I'll tell you, my favorite part of the whole thing was, you know, they had to do a whole procession after after it happened because, you know, this is like you mentioned a once in a lifetime thing, and you know, LeBron had him give a little speech, and you know, he might have slipped an uncensored f bomb in there during his. Uh, during his celebratory speech, and I don't know if that was by accident or if that was deliberately uncensored, And but I hope it was deliberate because Matt Perino tweeted something akin to what I'm about to say, but you can't censor, you can't censor bleep the king after he just broke the NBA's all-time scoring record, so that was a, that was a pretty funny moment there, but overall, I mean, that was just... You know, sometimes we have a hesitancy. We don't, you know, like to acknowledge greatness in the moment, but you can't help but, you know, tip your cap to... LeBron and and that accomplishment. I mean, you know, three pointer or not, you don't you don't score you know thirty eight thousand three hundred some odd career points by accident. Like that takes a lot of you know hard work and dedication and talent. And you know, LeBron for being as good as he is and as long as he has, I mean, we've never seen anything like it. The goat debate's always going to rage on between him and Jordan, and you know they both have their own respective cases. But you got to give LeBron credit. Sure, his finals record isn't unblemished like Jordan, but to make it, you know to 10 consecutive finals and to be, you know, this Iron Man and be productive this late in, into his career as he's been. I mean, it's just, it's truly l- remarkable. And I don't know if we'll see another player like him for a long time. And that uh, takes us right up about to break, doesn't it, Mr. Double D? 
it does. I was about to get there. I was letting you guys ramble as long as you wanted. So, yeah, we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the Pro Bowl game. Well, the All-Star breaks uh, for the NFL and the NHL. See what we like about them, what they can really improve on, uh, which is the best out of the four core sports. Then we'll get into some Sabres, uh, even though there's not a game until Saturday. And we'll even touch in on some NFL. So keep listening to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. It's funny, before we started taping, uh, Aaron was telling me about how the NFL is rigged and how every year he used to get a script. Yeah. Day one of training camp that would mm-hmm. get dropped off at his locker. Mm-hmm. And you would have to, you know, it was like week one, you'll do this. Week two, you're going to have a hamstring injury. Week three, this is going to happen. Yeah. Week four, you're going to get three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And so then you just have to, did you memorize those? Before the season started, would you go and rehearse the script before every game? Uh, we were really dedicated to it. So it was more so like um, that's what practice was about. It was about practicing the script. Like this is what goes on and this is what we have to do mm-hmm. in order to. Yeah. And this referee is going to miss this call yeah, because they hate you yeah. and they love the Colts. Yeah, that sort like, of thing. Uh, WWF. So it's like, you yeah, know, we know what's going to happen, but you just got to put on a show. Yeah. What did yeah. you think when you got the script in 2016 that said your career was going to fall off a cliff when you stopped believing in God? That was 2015. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I love how he has to correct him on the year of when his career goes downhill. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. I'm Double D, still joined by Tanner Saunders and Joe Kelly. And after this came out, I believe just the whole world, the whole NFL world, just turned back on Arian Foster and said, wow, I can't believe I was reading the script about how my, like, leg would snap in half. Oh, I can't wait to Josh Allen reacting to the script of how he's losing in the playoffs, you know? Yeah, that's the one thing I would like to know about this whole scripting thing. Like, if if you're around for the uh, the first segment of the show, you'd know that, you know, I dabble in a conspiracy theory with, with with JFK but you know I'm not so I'm not saying it's impossible that the NFL scripted but if it is I'd just love to know why do the NFL script writers hate the Bills so much like why do we have to year after year at least they gifted us with a generational quarterback but why do year after year we have to lose in heartbreaking fashion in the playoffs and also if the NFL scripted I'm sure DeMar Hamlin really appreciated how the NFL script writers wrote in his near death to this season so that's just what I'd like to know yeah I mean I, I've seen TikToks and you ever seen the Danny DeVito like pan out from his face the zoom yeah it says DeMar Hamlin reading the script yeah. for the first <laughs> the matchup against the Bengals yeah uh-huh. I don't know it Pat McAfee whenever he has Aaron Rodgers on his show Aaron Rodgers mentions something about the script, and he's like, "You can't do that, man." He's like, "You're gonna, you're gonna send everyone spiraling. Everyone's spiraling now because of that. That 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 set the NFL universe, NFL cinematic universe on fire. The scripts have been burned. Uh, they've been leaked, so they got to rewrite now for next season. So maybe, I mean, whoever wrote the script is probably the one who has that tweet out of predicting every Super Bowl winner. Maybe because I mean, they've got it right true. since what 2015. Yeah. I, I it's pretty mean, impressive. Yeah. You, only a scriptwriter could year, know that. Only a scriptwriter could do that. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, I just got to think it's so funny that they have shows like Hard Knocks that shows the preparation and what the teams do. That's scripted, too. And how too. they get ready. <laughs> and <laughs> is that like the... It's a subscript. The, like barrier where it's like it's kind of scripted, but it's not scripted at the same time. You ever see WandaVision? Yeah. 
the hex that controls everyone. True. That that's what inside of stadiums. That's what happens. All right. We forget when we leave. The players. Hmm. The players are the only ones who even realize, and that's just what happens. Hey, just because you know hard knocks is a thing, and they show you, you know, kind of the intricacies of training camp, that doesn't mean they show everything. Roger Goodell can just, you know, he can just fold his arms, blink his eyes, and make sure that information that shouldn't be shown in hard knocks is conveniently not shown. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's very true, and the coaches get to look at it too and say if they want anything in or out of it. Um, I mean, I mean, that's where Hugh Jackson really made his money with Cleveland when he let the fight between. Him, I believe, either the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator uh, at the time. And everybody's like, why would you let this leak? Why would you want this on a show of you fighting with another guy? Uh, You know, it didn't make sense. Maybe now it does. Maybe that was all part of the script. We have a couple, speaking of script writers, we have a couple breaking news things from Roger Goodell's mouth. Um, Roger Goodell's mouth. Right so, from the horse's mouth. Yep, eh? right from the horse's mouth. Uh, ESPN Plus will be having an exclusive game in 2023 for oh. the NFL. Oh, lovely. Another they're, sell- sh- they're selling the NFL even more. No, And they can write their own script they're, because they own the rights to that game. And also, that's not it. Roger Goodell said that the Pro Bowl flag football game is here to stay, and that's the future of what they want to do. So the NFL is officially moving scripted into flag football. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not the only one, but that just might be the start of the NFL moving full-time into flag football. Yeah. I mean, that's the direction we're treading. I mean, you look at the— Don't play defense anymore. Yeah, you look at the report that came out after the season, the wake of Tony Pollard's injury, how they want to, you know— um, do away with the quote-unquote hip drop tackle that uh, ended up shattering Tony Pollard's ankle. Like, there's only so much you can do. Like, football, it's a blood sport. It's a contact sport. Injuries are just an unfortunate byproduct of the game. Like, you can't ban every single, you know, little thing. At the end of the day, you might as well just move to flag football because, you know, while I'm all for trying to make, you know, football a safer sport, there's only so much you can do with a blood contact sport like that. So, you know, that might be the direction that the league as a whole is trending in anyways you know just sands the pro bowl even yeah there's even more from roger goodell uh, from you know other tweets that are coming out saying that this is the first season that there's going to be flex scheduling for monday night football um and he's not surprised if at some point thursday night games would be flexed too thank god I've had enough of watching two lousy teams play on a Thursday on Amazon, a, like on the Prime or on uh, <laughs> on the Prime on the Prime or uh, on Twitch because there's a legal uh, broadcast of it. <laughs> but it's like, man, it, I've had enough of watching two garbage teams every Thursday. Like, Russell Wilson was the primetime king this year. He was, and that was like a huge problem because everybody's like, I've had enough. <laughs> I, I don't want to see. Nobody wants to see the Jets versus the Texans. Jets had Thursday a good defense night. this year, though. Hmm? Jets played pretty competitively until the end of the season. Wait, correct me if I'm wrong, going a little off topic, but didn't they flex a Thursday game out this past season? They put the Dolphins and the Chargers on a on a primetime game and took the Denver Broncos out of a primetime yeah, game. Yeah, against Kansas City. Yes. And I thought mm-hmm. it was funny because, like... You don't want Mahomes, but... No, only only the Denver Broncos could flex Patrick Mahomes out of prime time. That's what was funny about it. But all right, I guess we'll see uh, more of that in next season in the years to follow, perhaps. And then uh, Goodell also says YouTube 
has earned the rights to the Sunday ticket package, and they will be changing it um, the way people consume uh, and watch the game through new innovations. Uh, he mentioned how they want the NFL, f- how they want the NFL to be a two-way experience with their broadcast partners, including YouTube and Amazon. So I, I mean, this is I, I think YouTube might be nice because I, I know you guys don't really watch baseball, but um, the MLB has a some has a partnership with YouTube TV and YouTube itself, uh, and I think once every week or once every day or other day. It's it's a hard thing to tell sometimes. It depends on what they agreed to. But you get a free game on YouTube. And you you don't have to pay for anything. It's usually like in out of broadcast uh or out of like market, you know, you don't have it on MLB network. It's not anywhere near here. It's like Colorado versus the Dodgers, which you would never see around here, but it's like, oh yeah, YouTube might work with this. I I I would love to see the NFL put like a West Coast matchup where you know we don't really get to see it here in Buffalo, but if you watch YouTube, oh yeah, here's another live game you can watch. I don't. I, I think they would try and get you for a YouTube TV subscription, though, and I don't want to pay for another subscription. Well, yeah, no, it could the... be like you just try it for free. You know, they don't. They advertise that you should get YouTube TV for free, by or YouTube TV. But I think at the beginning they'll want to like build it up. I mean, what so they want to show what they can do. So I believe if they're smart, they should say, "Hey, here's a couple of free games during the season. You get to see what our." play-by-play guys are like you get to see what our broadcast is like if we have any of it like features that are different than a cbs or a fox or even amazon um well i know barstool did that with college football this year they simulcasted in their own broadcast format right and it it was different right it's uncensored because they're a podcast network it's different mm-hmm. you know you don't have the fcc coming after you or anything like that on youtube <clears throat> and while I did like it, I feel like at the professional level, NFL level, that's a little different, if you know what I mean. Like, you have your voices, right? Well, YouTube, you can't really swear either. I mean, the Well, sense. yeah, I, I know, but still, like, there are certain sayings you can't say, you know what I mean, that you could get away with on YouTube, you know? Right, Like, yeah. whatever. It's just, I think what would be tough about that is, I mean, if the Bills went strictly to YouTube TV, um, I'm getting it. Like, there's no question about well, it. I'm yeah. not going to miss Bills games. And I think they have that kind of a, a grasp on the entire market. Um, but I don't know. I just I, – I liked as a kid. Every game was on CBS or Fox. Primetime, ESPN, or NBC. And that was it. That was it. I didn't have to have a subscription. I didn't have to buy anything. The NFL wasn't being sold to Jeff Bezos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, now – now it's everyone NFL's a multi billion dollar industry, national industry and almost international industry. It's another thing Goodell mentioned, maybe putting some teams over in Europe, you know, and it's it's just like it's you're gonna lose viewership by making it this difficult to watch the games because yeah. it used to have such an ease of access. You know, CBS streams it as well, Fox streams it as well on their apps if you have a TV subscription. I watch it on my phone half the time on Spectrum or on my laptop, you know, these other games that are going on at the same time. But you're going to lose your viewership if you start really hammering down like, oh, we're going to throw this game in this spot, this game in this spot. Like, just too much. 
It's too much. Football's simple. It just keep it simple, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't like how they're, you know, spreading themselves thin over all these platforms. Like, oh, if you want to watch Thursday night, then you got to have Prime. And, oh, you want to watch this game? Well, ESPN. now you got to have ESPN+. Plus. I mean, yeah, that's just a little too much for me. Like, I don't want to be paying for subscriptions out the wazoo just to catch, you know, mm-hmm. a handful of games every season. You know that ESPN Plus game is going to be the Bills-Bengals rematch next year, too. Oh, nice. Lovely. <laughs> you already, I already can call that right you're, now. You're already, like, predicting it. Well, why not? I mean, that Bills revenge game, like that's well, that's going to be huge. It depends what week they get, you know what I mean? If it's if it's like like in the first 5 weeks before bye weeks start, mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think that's what it is. Or it comes down and they save it to the end of the season, but I don't know. I I just don't think that's a good idea. I I'm not I whatever game that is, I'll bootleg it somehow. Right, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to exactly. There's jailbreak something to find it. They don't do enough to stop the bootlegs. Or, like, people streaming it on TikTok or Twitch or something else that it just kind of makes it pointless at this point. It's mm-hmm. like, well, then they play it on the NFL Network an hour like, later. I understand there's a sense of money, but if there's not a team like dedicated to taking off the, the games off of other websites, it's pointless. It is completely pointless because I'll just say, oh, okay, I don't want to buy this, so I'll go over there on a different website and watch it for free. Doesn't affect me in any way. Yeah. It affects the NFL. Um, I, I mean, if they really want to take this seriously and start to spread it over multiple networks and companies, and they, they need something to condense it to make sure it's only on those things. Uh, unless if it's like a special agreement that says, oh, yeah, CBS, you can post the whole game of Bills versus Miami on your YouTube. You know, the NFL does that all the time with the older games and some of the more bigger emotional games. Uh, I know our game last year versus the Chiefs is out there on YouTube. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the big thing is like I know I've watched Buffalo Fanatics and one of their guys sits on a green screen with the game going next to him, like on the screen next to him. Mm -hmm. That's a way to watch that people use, you know what I mean, who don't have access or who aren't in the area. Or if you can't listen to Collinsworth drone on talking about (laughs) Patrick Mahomes when Josh Allen is playing and you want somebody that's going to, you know, at least maybe have a a Buffalo bias. Right. Oh, what a play by Mahomes, throwing it right into the ground. I I can't even... That's going to fire me up, but um, I I think that might be the future of watching games on YouTube. These podcast networks or podcasters kind of doing it in their own, you know what I mean? Like they don't have, they don't use the graphics from the TV. They get a literal just photograph version. Like there's barely any sound half the time. They put their own things up, you know, graphics because they can't use CBSs. So that, that, to me, is kind of how you're going to be able to watch that on YouTube. I don't think they take it any further than that, though. You know what I mean? I mean, they will, but I don't think they should. I should say that because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, you can't, uh, can't violate copyright. Play with the NFL's bottom line. You can't h- hardly use, like, five seconds worth of NFL films footage in a video in YouTube without the NFL coming no, cracking yeah. down on you. Well, even if you have a license for it, like, for other shows I've done, I've licensed NFL music. Still get a copyright claim. i got to fight with YouTube every time I post something. <laughs> I'm like, I have rights to this. I have an email that they sent. And then I have to send it to them and fight with their team. It's just so locked down. For music, even just music like theme songs, I can only imagine 
going through that with a broadcast but or with this show oh my god could you imagine i mean i we play so much stuff well this is also we're that's free use that's press you know what i mean like we, it's not like there's also fair use you, right. if you stay yeah. under like two minutes but music is different like if you play if you play whatchamacallit well, we're getting a disney one because we use the espn music yes <laughs> yeah yeah disney will get us the yeah, mouse Disney's getting us. Oh, hey but this isn't a commercial show we're not making money off of this no. we're just doing it off our own accord so you take that nfl <laughs> i just have i have one question to ask you guys i i know this is kind of mm-hmm. we're kind of just going on random topics here but this is nfl related yeah i talked about this last night what so aaron Rodgers on his darkness retreat yeah oh right yeah. He's just gone, right? Going into the mountains in this house, completely locked in. He's getting food delivered, though, right? That's that's the one thing we do know. We gotta eat. What well, yeah. would you get delivered if you if you had to? If you I had mean, the millions of dollars, Rogers. personal chef. I I I, th- I I feel like he's just gonna drink kombucha for four days and I, call it a day. You know, like a real spiritual treat. What do you guys think? I I mean, if I'm going on this darkness day or darkness weekend, you know, whatever he calls it. Um, Darkness retreat. Retreat. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> he exposed it on the Pat McAfee show too, so it was just gold. Right. It yeah. Was like <laughs> uh, but y- you know, if I had to get like food ordered, I would probably, I I would probably just do DoorDash and just say leave it at the door. He can't open the door though. He's got to have a mail slot or something. He can't let any light in, otherwise it spoils the darkness retreat. Just have like a a doggy door installed or something, yeah. and then when the food gets <laughs> delivered, you're in the other room, and then they can just you know ring the doorbell, slide it in, and then be on their way. Right, yeah, exactly. I feel like he has to have a personal chef that's making his food though, like most athletes do. I mean, if there's like a well, yeah, I mean, I would think uh, that might be what Rogers they mean. Is kind of like deconnect from everybody except for like the people who bring me food. You know, he just has... Or he has the chef in there on the darkest retreat with him for yeah. four days, holding him against his will. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Making food, yeah. Uh, if I if I was doing that type of thing, I'd probably get my dad to join in with me and have him, you know, make homemade beef and bean burritos. That's a personal favorite. Maybe chicken and rice, some chicken quesadillas, yeah. chicken wings, like... Yeah, I gotta have, I, I gotta have pizza. Right with some blue. Give cheese. me a toaster oven and give me some a, a freezer and I'm good to go. Yeah, pretty much. That's, right. That's yeah. pretty much my my like. If I gotta be put somewhere, give me a toaster oven. Give me give me a freezer. I'm good for like a week. Yeah, I get some. If I had a personal chef, I get something extravagant. Oh, I get I get some like steak, potatoes, chef. and all that stuff. Really, you know. Just, just go crazy. Some mac and cheese too, like that. That right there, you got to do. I it. mean, is there any doubt in our minds that Aaron Rodgers is not coming back <laughs> for another season? Uh, I mean, I get it that he he's dragging this out. And he's telling everybody his process. I just have that feeling that it, it, it's just because he wants to stay relevant in the news. Because now he is the oldest quarterback in the NFL left, I believe, um, who's a starter, unless if Matt Ryan is. No, Ryan's no. younger. So, um, I I really think he's just kind of he he's going on the Tom Brady route of oh yeah let's let's tell everybody what I'm doing so that I'm in the news a lot, you know. Now Brady's taking a step back and posting underwear pics on his Twitter. Nobody wants to see that. No. Well, Julian Edelman did a yeah I know I know TikTok oh, with it. Um, that was probably the worst thing I've ever seen anybody do after a retirement, <laughs> but. Uh, 
you know, I, I think he's starting to be like, okay, if I want to come back, do I want to go back to Green Bay or do I want to go to the Raiders or a different team? I think the Raiders work, work perfectly. Devontae Adams said uh, on Twitter how shopping is fun. Uh, so he he's trying to get him. I, I think it's only a, mat, uh, a matter of time before Roger says, okay, I'm coming back because I think. Green Bay has had enough. Yeah, did you see what Aaron Rodgers' Twitter his tweet is? He, oh. he tweeted. Look at look at his look at his picture. It's his foot. Yeah, I know. It's like, just his what? Foot. Like yeah. that COVID toe? Yeah, COVID. Oh, it was COVID toe. That's right. He tweeted out and said it. Some Mike Mitchell Schwartz commented out. Weird. The Packers aren't consulting more with the guy who needs to go on a four day darkness retreat to figure out whether he wants to play football. He says. Aaron Rodgers quotes the tweet and re- and comes back. Be curious, not judgmental. We are all on our own path, and doing things like this helped me find a greater sense of peace and love for life, love and respect for you. Like interesting. Did, He's honestly starting I, to sound I mean, like Yoda. If you, if you have nothing nice to say, kill him with kindness. You know, I I mean that kind of makes Mitchell Schwartz kind of look like a jerk. Um. Man, I love Aaron Rodgers. Like people, people nowadays want to, you know, make Aaron Rodgers the villain of the NFL. But I love Aaron Rodgers. I uh-huh. think he's genuinely a good dude. And just he, even though like the rest of the NFL world is against Aaron Rodgers, I'm with him. I, I just I love that guy. How and can I think he be he's against gonna, him? I think he's gonna. Hey, I mean, well, you know, I sometimes he's... people don't love what he has to say, but he keeps it real, which I can respect at least. You know, he's not afraid of making enemies out there. He just, you know, speaks what's on his mind unapologetically. So, you know, whether you agree or disagree, I just I like the the brashness that he comes with. And what I think he does that. I think he kind of creates a sense of comedy on his own. I mean, he is really a funny, nice guy. I mean, he's just drawn as a. A, a villain. He basically just stuck his hand into a hat and picked out V uh, on the on the sheet of paper. But um, I I really think he's just. I everybody wants to take everything out of proportion. What he does now, I think that's because of all the COVID stuff and you know him creating problems of like, will I retire if I if I want to come back? I want a four year deal for a lot of money without Jordan Love being here. People are just feeding into it though, like they're giving him the ammunition to do this. I'm I'm not even kidding. Well, he's becoming the Tom Brady of the NFL. He's he's taking over that role of talk about me, keep talking about me, let I'm, me live rent free in your head. I'm all for the Aaron yeah. Rodgers villain arc, man. Yeah, the, he, I love that he calls himself the villain of the NFL. It's just, it's funny. It's I funny. I don't know if he's ever anointed himself as that, but I feel like that's as if how he gets portrayed in the media anymore. I think he it's, said that's how he feels. Uh, I think he said it on the McAfee show yeah, one, like, like one time. He uh, he got drawn as a villain. You know, he, he doesn't want to be, but he's like, well, uh, but. He's embracing it I, I know, I was going to play a clip. That's why the, the random burst of uh, media came out. <laughs> Uh, but this is uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, at the PV- PGA Tour at uh, Pebble Beach, the Pro-Am, it, talking to Josh Allen uh, at the end. I wish I got 10 shots. You know, maybe we'd be on top, too. <laughs> I only got nine. If you add that up, it's... I think they, they took a few off of yours because all your swing coaches. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
I mean, how can you not like that guy? He's playing with QB number 17. You know, and he, he they're just messing around with each other. I mean, there there's no way else to not like this guy. Him Unless and Allen are very just, close, like extremely close on the Well, remember, the field. they played in the match against each other, you know, the Tom Brady versus uh, and Rodgers versus Allen and Mahomes. That was like the big thing of the summer. Um, you know, I wonder now if they'll they do that again, again with different people. They probably will. I, I mean, I, I think if they do another golf match, it will be, you know, Allen, Mahomes, I Burrow? would think Burrow would get in there. Burrow Herbert? Yeah, I would think it would be the young guys. Maybe even Lamar. I mean, Lamar, with so much time off during the season, had to be <laughs> doing something. He was injured, though, Dad. I don't know if he was golfing every time. I, I mean, you can golf on a bad knee, Joe. I mean, you got a golf cart. You got a caddy. Yeah, but you got a, your swing. I mean, you're moving your hips, but your knees flex a little bit. I, 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 don't, I don't know if he golfed. I, I don't know. I think he's... What do you think? You think Lamar was golfing with a knee injury, Tanner? Uh, <laughs> probably not. I would imagine he was more oh, so engaging in extensive PT. I would agree, yeah. Like, uh, you know, there. I imagine he was trying to, you know, get back, you know, for the uh, the playoffs, although he was unable to do so. But I can't imagine he would put any unnecessary stress on that on that knee because, you know, golfing, it's a, it's a full-body exercise. You know, it requires more than just the upper body. Like, you got to get down low, get the knees into it too. So I can't imagine he was doing uh, putting that knee in any unnecessary harm. I, I mean, he could run down the hills of the course. I mean, it, it, it could be very... Come on, guys, be with me on this. It, it, Lamar was golfing; he was practicing for, for <laughs> the match, uh, whenever that happens again. But uh, we're gonna take a quick break on the Blitz on ninety-one point three FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative station since nineteen eighty-two. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We'll be right back. That's the weather. Ooh, Peyton tried to make a change before the ball snapped. Deep shot down the sideline to Stephon Diggs. Catch. Touchdown. AFC on fourth and 20. Trevor Lawrence finds Stephon Diggs. He finds a camera for the boys. Oh, that's great. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. I'm still Dan Dale, joined by Joe Kelly and Tanner Saunders. And of course, the big thing that happened this weekend was the two uh, All-Star Pro Bowl games, you know, the NHL All-Star Skill Competition and uh, the 3v3 games, and then the NFL with their Pro Bowl and Skills Competition. I I mean, how did you guys like the event, or did you not like the event at all? Let's start with the NFL first. I liked it. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was kind of forced to watch it because I was at work on Sunday. So I had, you know, I was just kind of sitting there passively watching it. But I thought it was a good change up because they're actually admitting to what they were no matter what. Like they were playing in pads before, but they were not touching each other. No one wants to get injured. No player wants to get injured. And I think th- them actually admitting to what they are and playing flag football, the players seem to enjoy it more. Um, 
everyone there. Uh, Pete Davidson was there. I thought that was absolutely crazy. I mean, he's do he's he's got sixty nine on his iPad and he's just winking the entire time, you know. And I'm like, this is a joke, but okay. But yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it at all. I liked the competitions. It was nuts. The linemen running through the walls and stuff. Like I I did not expect to see that, but. Uh, Peyton and Eli were good choices for the coaches, I think. But Peyton was heated at the end. He was mad. Uh, they took a knee when he can't run within the five-yard line, and Peyton was out there trying to trying to bring it back. But to no avail, the NFC ended up winning, which I don't think really shows just how real that is because the AFC is worlds better than the talent in the NFC. I will say that just team-wise. But biases aside, it was I, I liked it. I mean, I've never been a huge Pro Bowl guy. Maybe that's just because the game, you know, every year that I watched it got progressively worse and worse, where, as you mentioned, guys aren't even, you know, touching each other because nobody wants to get injured in what, at the end of the day, amounts to an exhibition game and nothing more. So, you know, I've never been a huge Pro Bowl guy. I didn't watch the, you know, the flag football game because that's just not something that particularly interests me. I mean, I like the novelty of, like, some of the skills challenges. Like, you see that in every sport like with with the NBA you got the dunk contest you got the three point competition you know in the NHL you got the hardest shot competition and things like that so um you know I appreciate the novelty behind that but it's just not something that interests me really i mean i kind of side with Josh Jacobs who said you know in certain terms this is stupid and they should just give us all you know like a family vacation or something so <laughs> i i can i can agree with that but you know there's some things that are cool about it but overall just not 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 my cup of tea I mean, besides the Pro Bowl, like, you already know where I stand on Pro Bowl voting. I, you know, it's a bunch of casuals, really. Like, how else would Tyler Huntley, you know, be able to get in the Pro Bowl? So, you know, I really focus more on all pro teams as far as giving, you know, the best players in the NFL the recognition they deserve. So, not really a huge Pro Bowl guy. You know, I I didn't really watch this Pro Bowl just because I think it was so different, and I just kind of wanted to see if I just didn't watch it how I would feel, and I didn't really miss anything. Yeah. I thought, um, you know, I like the skills competition. I, I really do. I think they're nice and competitive. I mean, I recorded that and watched it later. But, um, you know, I wish they did that all on one day instead of, like, trying to span it into two days and... Just kind of making it, I, I, I mean, it kind of just seemed like a joke. Like, why would you have, for the best catch, you know, a, a, a primary, you know, with uh, digs in the pool, uh, <laughs> catching three balls, and then, uh, you know, come Saturday, you can't even catch two balls going off a trampoline through smoke. You know, He I, did the first time. Did he? Yep. He just wanted to do it again and then wasn't able to do it. He also had Trevor Lawrence throwing to him and then someone else. And I, right. it was like one of the, the hands. And then the first time he tried doing it, like his first one, mm-hmm. it was Trayvon, who does not play quarterback. So he was throwing it way behind him, and he was getting fed up the whole time. So, right. I mean, when you don't have Josh Allen throwing you the ball right where you need it, it's kind of tough, man. That's all I got to say. Uh, but I, I, I did actually kind of like the flag football just in the sense that I feel like Oh no! It just seemed more laid back. It seemed more like what I would have wanted to see a Pro Bowl game five years ago. Um, 
you know, back when it was starting to get to that point of, oh, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to hurt you. Um, I also like that they brought back the captains. I just wish, I wish they had the Pro Bowl, right? They did the votes, but they wouldn't be set to teams, right? So there would be no AFC team. There would be no NFC team. I wish there were the two legend captains who would draft the guys who were available and they make like the best team possible. They did that in years past and I thought it worked really well. And I wish they bring that back. I would love to see like, you know, now Brady and Breeze and they're picking, you know, Allen on one side, Rogers on the other, uh, or, you know, whoever would show up, um, I, I think that would be more entertaining for me to watch, like, because then you actually have, like, okay, it's not to see who the better conference is. It's just to, you know, who's the better coach? Who's the better captain? And I think it would be more fun seeing guys who play in the NFC play with guys who play in the AFC. I mean, you don't really get to see that much unless if for some odd reason free agency happens and they're on the same team. Yeah, I... I... It's tough. It is because how how would you go about dividing it if you did that? You know what I mean? Like how would you select one by you know what I mean? Would you just raffle them off? Like you would pick the two Pro Bowls, like the players. Well, going. you would do first pick, then next. You'd have a draft, like you right. would actually. It would be straight up like snake draft. So, you know, whoever gets the first pick gets one. Next team gets two, then the one or two, and then one, and you know it would go back and forth. It's not a bad idea. I just, I mean. I think I just don't think we're going to see that happen because the NFL doesn't want to put they any more effort into it. That, that was like the key thing, though. <laughs> Tanner left, but yeah, I mean, it's just—I think it's just an effort thing at this point, and they just—they just don't care enough yeah. anymore. Bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about the NHL? You know, that's what the NFL weekend. should be looking at. I mean, that's more way more interesting to watch, I think, than the Pro Bowl. But I don't know. It's just. Seeing, I, I wish I saw Tage. That's my one big takeaway from it. I wish yeah. Tage was there. Uh, he's enjoying vacation in Bahamas. Yeah, him and him and Dylan Cousins. Yeah, I mean Cousins was there. Krebsy, I think Bryson. Bryson yeah. Like they had the whole they had they the just whole squad like, down there. Yeah, they just look like dudes just sitting there with just guys being well, dudes. Well, yeah. I love when uh, we'll get to it later. But the the picture of Cousins just with Tage uh, with his shirt off, like congratulations. Uh, for cousins, and I just thought that yeah, was so funny. Is. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, but going back to the NHL All Star Weekend, I mean, it's a little easier to have like a tried and true game with the NHL. Not saying it's not a physical game, but it's not as physical. Like the, I'd say the injury risk is a little less compared to, you know, having you know, like a Pro Bowl, like an actual game for the NFL. And plus, you know, you have the skills competitions too, like the the hardest shot competition, which Rass was close to bringing home. Unfortunately, Elias Pettersson had to to one-up him. But I think if we had Tage in there, we would have been bringing home gold in that department easily. But, you know, Rasmus Dahlin put up a heck of an effort. It was uh, cool to see him there. It's unfortunate that the hockey gods had to sacrifice Tage Thompson in order for Rasmus Dahlin to be there. But it was just cool to see, you know, the Sabres represented. I I didn't, I didn't watch either the Pro Bowl or the NHL All-Star Weekend, but if I had to pick between the two, I probably would have went NHL. I actually watched the NHL just uh, because this was also not a newer format, but I also liked that they brought up new 
skill games. You know, with the NFL, they had the best catch and all the normal stuff we've seen for years and years and years. Like, the NHL brought in the goalies trying to do the full uh, full eye shots into the other net. And um, then, depending on if they missed completely, hit the net because there was, like, a board in the net and then a little slot uh, that was open that would go into the net. Um, so... Well, it was like if you miss the net, the goalie who's in net for the other team is facing a one-on-one. Then if you hit the net, if you hit the board that's in the net, it's a two-on-one. And then if you hit or if you go through the little slot, it's a three-on-one. And I'm counting the one as the goalie. So if it's like somebody says, well, it's really three-on-zero, shut up. Um, But... I I really thought that game was one of the most fun to watch. And even doing, like, the three-on-three overtime was fun. Um, I I really thought NHL did a good job. Now, this is the, the main question. Out of the four, and I know probably some of you, you guys haven't watched all of the kind of all-star weekend or week uh, events, but out of the four major sports who do it, which are the NFL, the NHL, the MLB, and the NBA, and uh, which one is the best and why. And if you don't know what's in the MLB one, it's basically there's a celebrity softball game, um, and, and then there's also they mic up players during the game and they talk to each other, which not every other sport does. And yeah. then... Uh, Tanner, you know the NBA, but the slam dunk contest, the three-point um, shooting game, I'm, I'm forget. Just the three-point contest. Yeah, three-point contest. Uh, they have a celebrity all-star game as well for NBA All-Star Weekend, I know, because uh, one of my favorite rappers, Quavo Migos, he participates like every year, and he wins MVP like every year, and I'm always rooting for him, so yeah, that's another cool thing. But I guess I'll just lead off since I just jumped in. I think my favorite's the NBA, because not just because it's one of my favorite sports, but like the skills competitions, like they're actually you know, ones that are of prominent parts of the game, like dunking happens every game pretty much fairly often and we know the nba is a three-point shooting league so and then you know they have a skills competition of their own where you know it involves dribbling passing that type of thing um and then just the game itself i mean guys aren't going super hard like you're not seeing guys you know taking charges left and right but it's you know closer to the actual you know nba regular season game than like the pro bowl game is or maybe the nhl all-star game so i have to say nba yeah, I would honestly have to agree with that. Just the little bit I've seen of the NBA games, it's just watching flag football is not like watching an NFL game. And I think that's 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 the big takeaway here. And while the players like it because they're not risking an injury, minus Jalen Ramsey being in, oh, yeah. I, I don't know what he was thinking, <laughs> laying into Ty. As much as I think Tyreek Hill can be a jerk sometimes, I under Jalen Ramsey also can, and I don't He's know a why. bigger jerk. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I... I don't understand when who was holding Tyree Hill like a baby after that picture was circulating around. That was funny. They I were going to commercial and Tyreek Hill was in someone's arms yelling at Ramsey like one of the <laughs> linemen was. I think it might have been. Uh, what's his name? Saffold. I think Saffold might have been holding him like a baby. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was, that was that was cool. I think there were a lot of memeable moments, which was funny about the Pro Bowl. But then again, 
as Tanner said, I think the NBA is the closest to the real game. Football used to be. They, they, they put a highlight of the Pro Bowl from years ago, like decades ago. One of the Bills, number eight. I'm trying to think of who yeah, it was. Brian Mormon when Brian he got lit Mormon. up by got Sean Taylor. Up, yeah, that lit. was real football. Like, that was when the right. Pro Bowl was a real game. Like, people took it, like, super seriously. But now I get it. Like, you don't want to tear your ACL and then be out for half the next season. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, NBA is the best one. Yeah, that was uh, Sean Taylor when he lit Brian Mormon up. Rest in peace. Um and I think NBA All-Star Weekend's actually coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I know because I just got a notification on my phone that uh, Zion Williamson isn't going to be participating with his uh, with his hamstring injury, but uh, he might have to have to tune in now. All right, Dan, welcome back. <laughs> uh, if I gotta say there's one of the four, I gotta do MLB, and, and it's yeah, just figures. because I I mean I do like the celebrity all-star game but i don't really care for it just because they don't really bring anybody that i really care about um you know i rather watch the micah hyde softball game than that but i i gotta admit i love how the mlb does it in the sense that you get to wire up players you know and listen to their conversations and what they say um and the MLB has been starting to move towards that of like, hey, let's talk to the players during the game. And that will bring in like a new, different um, feeling to the game. I, I, I would love to see the NFL do that. Just play Mike Hyde softball game. <laughs> just in the sense of the plays. Yeah. You know, they don't want to give out, like, let's say Allen has an audible and Diggs is hot mic, you know, <laughs> that. You know, the play is just called out. It's like, oh, everybody now knows that if you call, uh, you know, barbecue sauce, whatever Alan would say, Spidey it's going to be banana. like double slants up in the middle. It, it, they it did it. They had him hot mic Dan. Hmm? They had the quarterback hot mic They have. I mean, that's where Sam Darnold got. They just did. That game ghost. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. Geno Smith. But that's during Pro Bowl game. That's, okay, maybe I'm uh, sorry. I'm being judgmental, even though I am <laughs> saying that the MLB does it for their All Star Game. Sorry, uh, but yeah, they have them mic'd up. I don't know, but it's not like you know they they've now been moving it towards like when uh, somebody's pitching. They had it for both uh, Nestor Cortez of the Yankees and Jose Trevino, and it was like. You know, they were talking about what they want to throw. Uh, you know, they had, like, a real conversation during the game of, like, hey, you want to throw a slider? Hey, you want to throw and, and they would give the signs and everything. And I just thought it, it was so different from any other game. And there's still the home run effect. There's still that they want to play. You know, they're not worried about injuries, I, I feel like, most times. Uh, because they just know that, I, I MLB isn't the most violent sport in the world. Um, and, and maybe that's why they play a little bit more extreme, make more or try to make more amazing plays than the NFL and the NHL, because the NFL, you have such a long um, recovery time for some injuries and the NHL, you're doing it in the middle of the season. Same with NBA. I mean, there, there is some 
uh, differences between of why some sports can go harder than others. But off the topic of the Pro Bowl, because in all the all-star stuff, because that can only last you a while before everybody's like, can you stop talking about it? It sucks. It's over with. Um, the NFLPA tweeted out that Damar Hamlin won the 2023 Allen Page Community Award, uh, where him and his foundation will receive $100,000 from the NFLPA to continue their work supporting youth throughout sports, education, and enrichment opportunities. So add it on to the $9 million he's already got. Yeah, right. <laughs> pretty much. But, mm. you know, we got we to gotta build that one award. You know, we, we know how the NFL doesn't like giving the Bills awards. So... Yeah, one of our players has to die just to get, or nearly, he's still <laughs> still died. very much alive. Yeah, he has to, you know, dance with death in order for something like that to happen. But all that matters is that he won the award and he gets the money, and that's just that's just great. It's unfortunate, obviously, the circumstances that have led to all this, but just the amount of good that he's going to be able to do with all that money for not only this community, but you know, back home or on the pit area and beyond. It's going to be really something else. Damar, you know, whether he returns to, to football or not remains to be seen, but he is going to make quite the impact moving forward. Yeah, if he wasn't a clone. Oh my god! Oh, well, boy, we're just dancing yeah, you, with all type of conspiracy really theories the, here today. The theory track. It's JFK. been a while JFK since we've all been in the room clone. together. Come on, there's a second shooter in the JFK yeah, assassination. Like I, the NFL scripted. Demar Hamlin's a, a clone. The Earth is flat. The Earth is flat. Are you Sammy Watkins, Joe? I'm just. I'm you saying. I'm saying things that other professional athletes have said. Conspiracy wise, Kyrie Irving also said the Earth is flat. Like, by the way, yeah. So, so that's another thing, another thing on top of it. But yeah, it's a conspiracy show today, folks. Did you get a caller? Uh, didn't get anything back. But if you want to call it, seven one six eight seven eight fifty one zero four, seven one six eight seven eight fifty one zero four. Um, you know the last thing about the Pro Bowl, I did forget to mention this, but I know Joe, you mentioned, oh, you don't want the players to get hurt during the Pro Bowl, right? Well, Miles Garrett did. Yes. He had to limp off and go to the locker room. Yeah. So, like, okay, maybe it's not the safest thing in the world, but, you know, I, I did think that was kind of ironic. Yeah, we don't want to hurt each other, but injuries happen, I guess. If I memory serves me correct, I believe it was a dislocated toe, which, you know, obviously you don't want anybody to get injured. In fairness, though, you'd, if you had the choice between, like, what happened to Tyler Eifert a couple of years ago, if you had the choice between, like, a broken foot and a dislocated toe, you'll take the dislocated toe 11 times out of 10. So, You know, I think the last thing we'll talk about before we had to break, uh, before we switch into Sabres gear. Um, Super Bowl. I, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Super Bowl, uh, Sabres, both starters than us. I, I want to take a moment to just um, really commend Jessica Bagua for coming out and talking about her mom and what happened. And now that there's more that we know, because we haven't had an update for, what, seven months? And, and this is the first time anybody's talking about it. I think that was really brave of her and... You know, we still have all the best witches going to the Pagula family. I mean, they've turned the city around uh, sports-wise forever. And, I, you know, you just can't thank them enough 
Uh, but I mean, you add that on to the the Bills and Sabres season, it's just like, what the heck is happening to Buffalo? Like, even Monday, we even we didn't even have a show Monday. But if there was, I would have let it off with, "Hey, how did everybody wake up? Was it because you you fell off the bed of the shaking?" <laughs> I, I mean. Uh, you know, it's like we all texted right away, <laughs> like right as everyone woke up. We were like, "Did anyone else feel an earthquake?" <laughs> but um, I, I think it took a lot of guts to come out and finally talk about it, uh, because she said, you know, she's been dealing with it for a long time, and you know, I, I think it's good that we're finally getting an update because that means Kim is moving somewhat in a positive direction. Uh, you know, cardiac arrest is not anything to joke about i mean her damar hamlin and john murphy all in the same year have cardiac arrest i i mean where are the odds? Stroke, why is it he? happening and where are the script writers coming up with these ideas uh, <laughs> i thought murph had a stroke or, yeah, he did murph had a stroke. he did well that's just another thing that was the that same is... weekend as damar hamlin going right. to cardiac arrest yeah. right. because that's why chris brown was in cincy yeah. Because he's the backup uh, radio guy. Man, just another thing to add to the tumultuous calendar year that Buffalo has been through. And, you know, on one hand, he thought this might, like, galvanize the Bills and be a driving force for them. But at the end of the day, there's only so much one organization can take. Like, this must have been such a, a mentally taxing year for the Bills organization. I mean, at the end, there's just only so much you can take. But, you know, I'm glad to hear that Kim Pagula, you know, she did say that there's a real possibility that she might not be, you know, the same as she was before this incident, but at least she's, you know, been able to communicate and seems to be, you know, recovering at a remarkable rate. So, so that's good. And certainly best wishes go out to her, but I just can't imagine, you know, having to deal with that. I mean, goes into cardiac arrest on her birthday and then having to rehash all that once it happened again to DeMar and just go through that same pain over again. I just can't imagine what, you know, that, that organization and the Pagula family has, has been through, but at least, you know, we have the silver lining that she's, still alive and seems to be you know progressing at a good rate so just hope that she continues to progress and get better and hopefully can return to some semblance of normalcy absolutely i mean what a well-written statement by jessica pagula though i mean like for the players tribune i that was very moving um and i'm i'm glad for the city that no one was really hounding for it like it was like it was the right time for her to say something about it came out naturally she did it and it wasn't people speculating and you know what I mean? Like saying like, Oh, like all this stuff, like did we let it go, let it be, let her recover. And I, I think that's the best way we could have gone about that, you know? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be a little bit more positive. We'll, we'll have some more positive news about the Sabres, uh, make our predictions for the Super Bowl and, uh, be on with our day, so keep listening to 91.3 FM for more Blitz. A challenge the Sabres needed on home ice on a night like this. Grind one out. Let's see if we can get that extra point is what they're going to try to do here. As visions of a second point are on their sticks. Here's a lead pass. Let's Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM. 
And that was the Darlene Pass to the man, the myth, the legend, Dylan Cousins, who just got signed to a seven-year deal for $7 million a year uh, against the New York Islanders in overtime. And I, I got to admit, when that news broke, I was like, what a time to do it. Why, why not uh, do it on when we have a week break, nothing to do, and just talk with an agent, put out some numbers, and say, okay, he'll sign that. I'm very happy. I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy with the signing. You got your top two centers under $15 million a year, which only a couple other teams have, you know, and most of them are rebuilding or sucky teams. Um, but what are your thoughts about the uh, Cousins deal? Oh, man, I, I love it. I think this is another Kevin Adams masterclass re-signing. This is a common Kevin Adams W right here. Before you know the extension was announced, I thought that I was convinced that Dylan Cousins would get more money than Tage Thompson. I was thinking around $7.5, 8000000 a year, given that he is currently three years younger than Tage was when, we get, when he got his extension, and that Dylan Cousins has been more productive to start his career than Tage Thompson was to start his career, and even just start his Buffalo career and I I think this one was a no-brainer because Dylan Cousins has already surpassed his goal assist and point totals from 79 games last year and we still have 32 games left to play this year I think this contract has a potential to be an absolute steal if Dylan Cousins can continue to develop as he has this season and take another leap next year or in the coming years which I think is fairly likely given that he's only 21 years of age and he still can improve skill wise as well as continue to mature from a physical perspective. And this is great for the Sabres. And Dan, you just alluded to it, but how many other teams can say that they have two centers both 25 years or younger, locked up for as long as they do, and I'll say it relatively speaking, as cheap as they do. Now, I know $14 million tied up into two players isn't exactly cheap, but uh, you know what I mean by that is that Tage Thompson, you know, he's still got a long way to go, but the early returns on that contract looks like it's a bargain relative to the production that he's put up this year, and I think Cousins could be in that same category. That contract could end up being a steal if he continues to develop, so I think... It was a no-brainer. It was the move that needed to be done, and this is another masterclass re-signing by Kevin Adams. Like, Kevin Adams, I don't know if he's human at this point. Like, he might be a wizard with some of these contracts that he's pulling off, being able to get these players at, like, 80% of what they're worth. Like, you know, I know that we have one person in here that's not the biggest Kevin Adams fan in the building, but <laughs> you got to give him his flowers on this one. I mean, I know it sounds, it might sound bad, like you're hyping him up this much for just a re-signing, but, hey, you got to give credit where credit's due and I think you know this was a good move by Kevin Adams and just one that had to be done and give him credit he pulled it off and got him for a lot less than I thought he'd be able to I definitely agree I you know I don't like Kevin Adams we all know that yeah uh, but I I did think that at some point you did have to give him a contract and why not give it to him before he keeps on doing better because you know, at the end of the season, maybe a different number than what it is right now. Um, that's that was definitely a possibility, and now you don't have to think about it. Really, now you're you're shifting your head, and you're like, okay, who's next? I've already signed Tage to uh, till 2030. Now Cousins is here till 2030. Uh, Samuelson is here till 2030, and all of them combined 
are less than $20 million on the cap. All of them combined per year. Do the 7, the 7, and the 4, you get only $18 million a year. That is, I think, better than I thought. Um, And, you know, it also opens up possibilities to now only having to worry about certain players. I, I mean... Now you don't really have to worry about the first and the second line as much anymore. Just in the sense that, you know, Skinner's going to be on his deal for a couple more years. Tage is on his deal now. And Tuck is still on his really cheap deal for a couple more years. And then you look at the second line. Cousins now gets his big deal. And Quinn and Paterka are still on their entry levels. So you don't even have to pay them yet. And now you're looking at the third line and the defense and say, okay, where do we go from here? And I I think the only next option that you should have in your mind if you are Kevin Adams is Darwin. Yeah. Uh, That that should be the only player you're you're thinking about that will be the player most likely having uh, going over the uh, floor of the cap. I I would feel Um, he'll probably be your money breaker in the sense that you might have to pay him nine million a year for seven years or 10 for seven, you know, um, that it's definitely a possibility, but he's just so good and he's getting better. And now he's actually enjoying Buffalo instead of losing games with a jerk named Jack Eichel. Um, so I, I think this team, at least from a signing side, has done a better job than years past because it's not like, you know, Adams inherited the Opposo contract. He didn't make the Opposo contract. I'm not going to hold him accountable for a horrible contract for a not-so-great player. You know, great locker room guy. I, 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 You guys agree that Opozo is a great locker room guy. He deserved captain at this year. You know, I still don't think he should have been captain, but... Um, you know, he's not the greatest player in the world anymore just due to his age. And then I'm not going to hold him for Matt Molson. Oh, my God, how bad of a contract that was back in the day where uh, you sign him for, I think, six years, big deal, and he ends up wasting away to nothing in Rochester at the end of his career. Uh, that That's just how bad some of those signings were. But... You know, there's always uh, uh, two sides to one story. And the other side we haven't seen do too well from Kevin Adams is his trading side. And we have a caller, uh, Dave, not from Buffalo, to kind of talk about Kevin Adams and his not-so-great trading side. Dave, you there? Great show, as always. Nice to hear the form of... Horsemen of the Apocalypse together again, <laughs> yes. uh, even though one had to ride off. Um, I just wanted to chime in with the trade deadline coming because I know there's all these accolades coming from the tan man saying, hey, Kevin Adams, let's put him up for GM of the year. He signed a guy. I, I don't know. To me, that's contracts. You can get anybody to do contracts. What we need is a GM who can bring in players. And it being the the trade deadline, I'm a little perturbed that so far I've heard Kevin Adams is looking to stand pat. Now, 
you you look at a Brandon Bean, who I have a lot of respect for. This guy, Bean brought in Naeem Hines. He pretty much single-handedly won a game for us and made our return uh, game really a lot better. He brought in Marlowe, which turned out to be prescient because we lost DeMar. And if we didn't have Marlowe, we would have been playing Johnson, who, let's put it this way, has not shown the progress that we need from him. So, you know, that's what we need in a GM. And I'm, I'm thinking Adams is, again, being too short-sighted and doing his normal, hey, we're just going to stand pat and watch the other teams beat us. You know, remember, this team is not what the Bills are, which was a Super Bowl favorite, thought of as one of the deep teams. Our team is, in hockey is looking at, like a team that needs some help. Uh, I think, you know, they're, they're – they're good that they're finally fighting for a playoff spot. I'll give them that. But if they just stand where they are, it's not going to be what I think we want in Buffalo. I want to get a, a guy in there who will build a team that we can be proud of and that, that will go to playoffs on at least a consistent basis. Um, I'll hang up because I know you guys are short on time, and I'll listen to your answers. See you, guys. See you, Dave. Um you know, for for me to start it off, let me agree and say that his trades suck. <laughs> they they suck really bad, and uh, you know I think we all remember the Taylor Hall trade to Boston. I I mean how bad of a deal that was to get basically nothing for Hall, who's doing great in Boston. Um, and I know Curtis Lazar was part of that uh, trade too, but at that time Lazar was actually doing halfway decent on the Sabres before he's gone downhill into nothing with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but we haven't really seen a trade side from Adams that is good. I, I really think he's done a horrible job with trading. And now would be the time to prove it if he has a good side to it. Because I don't think you're making a push for a Stanley Cup. And I don't want you to make a push for a Stanley Cup. You're not getting there. That's straight up. Sabres suck too much to make it to the Stanley Cup. There's still too many holes. But I've had enough of a drought. I've had enough of this feeling like crud. Uh, because, you know, they they give me hope every year and then they crush it into nothing. Um, I I really want to see the Sabres get better. But until I can see him do his job well, I can't depend on him. Dan, they're in position for a wild card spot in the playoffs, which they have not, not been Not right in. now. They're out of it. Dan, they're not out of it. They're, they're breathing down they're the neck. Yeah. Okay, right now you're looking at the, the wild card, right? As I said, in position for one, not in one right now. But oh, In position, I'm sorry. I and I... I th- I think that's an absolute win considering for the past decade they haven't even come close to that. They haven't even come close to that. They've turned this building around. They've done what they needed to do. There are a couple things, yes, that I agree with you on. Like, we got to get a goaltender. We've got to see if Granado's the guy once we have our team established and not developing anymore. Like, I agree with that. But the fact of the matter is that I think we need to wholeheartedly just sit and think for a second on this team, I didn't even have going to the playoffs this year, or even close to going to the playoffs. I wanted them to play competitively with good teams, which they've proven they can do. 
But here we are. Like I was thinking next year for that, but here we are a year earlier than what everyone was thinking. And I think that's a win at the end of the day. No matter what, if they make it or not, I'm content because I didn't see them. I didn't foresee them making it at the beginning of the season. What do you think, Tanner? Um, here's what I'll say about Kevin Adams potentially making a trade. So Dave, not from WGR, not from Buffalo, wherever he's not from, you know, said that Kevin Adams, you know, standing pat and not making a trade would be short-sighted. I actually disagree. I think it's the other way around. I think Kevin Adams making a trade would be short-sighted. I don't think there's any reason that we need to accelerate the rebuild right now. I mean, we've seen enough flashes this year that the in-house talent that we have is enough to win. Like we've seen Tage Thompson took another quantum leap this year. You know, we've seen Dylan Cousins has taken a leap this year. You know, the kid line in as a whole has shown flashes of re- really being great this year. Even a guy like Victor Olofsson, he's already surpassed his career high in goals and we still have, you know, 30 some odd games left to play. You look at a guy, you bring in like Tyson Jost off the street, how good of an acquisition he's been. So, you know, we've seen the in-house talent like all I wanted to see from this year I didn't expect them to make the playoffs I just wanted to see that continued development from the young players on this team and we have seen that so I think just don't rock the boat just continue developing the in-house talent we have even a guy like Lukanen sure his numbers aren't the great like he's got under you know 90% save percentage and a rather high goals against average it's what like 3.3 or something but he's shown flashes this year that he can be a really elite NHL goaltender and I think those numbers they aren't all on on him it's part of it is the flimsy decor in front of him and even talking about those guys look at the jumps they've made Rasmus Dahlin has rounded into the Norris candidate that everybody expected him to be when he was taken you know number one overall and Owen Power has had a great rookie season so I think we've seen enough flashes from the young talent in the building that there's no need to rock the boat like just I think Granado's the guy that's going to get these players where they need to be in order to compete in the playoffs and maybe a for a potential Stanley Cup after, you know, a couple of years of development. So I just don't think there's any reason to rock the boat. Just continue developing the in-house talent. They've already shown that they can that they they've already made improvements from last year to this year, and there's no reason to expect that they won't continue to do so moving forward. I mean, it's the youngest roster in the NHL. How many players do we have that are under the age of twenty three? So that would be my stance on a trade is just don't rock the boat. It's working. You know, we've seen the improvement from last year to this year. I expect that we will see more improvement from this year moving into next year and beyond. So just don't rock the boat. Continue to develop the young talent that you have in-house because they've shown, you know, that they have what it takes. Like you mentioned, Joe, we've been competing with, you know, good teams in the NHL all year. I feel like there's only one game that we really got our tails handed to us, and that was the Vegas game where Jack Eichel had the hat trick. But outside of that, we've been competitive with pretty much every good team in the NHL this year, and we've beat a lot of those good teams. So I just just stay the course. Do not try and accelerate the rebuild. There's no reason to at this point, I don't think, because it's not like you're going to be a Stanley Cup contender this year. So don't rock the boat. Just keep stay the course. You know, I know after the Sabers have continued continued losing year after year after year you know you want to see him accelerate the rebuild and start winning but I just think patience is the best uh, course of action for this team right now so I'm fine with him standing pat and making no trades you know I I do really want to see him make a trade and I know I say I want to see a good side I want to see a good side but you know after the cousin signing it's projected next year that they're going to have 24 million dollars in cap space and 
you know, for the first time, I won't feel like the Sabres will need to trade to for some retired jerk who doesn't do anything, Ben Bishop. Uh, and, you know, to get you to the cap floor, I would love to see a trade for a young guy who, you know, is maybe on his last year, second to last year on their contract and get him to sign for an eight-year contract to stay here. You know, and if that means sacrificing a first, a couple of seconds, Casey Middlestat, wow, you still send I, it all the listen, way. Listen, I was a big Middlestat hater. Now this guy's been on fire with these points for the past couple of weeks, and I'm all for it until he. And by the way, as I've said, every good thing out of him gives Granado a reason to keep him around. He's got a lot of reasons to keep around now, so. That um, line has been one of the best in the NHL over precisely. the past couple weeks. I mean, Middlestat, he's on pace to have like what uh, he's on pace to have dang near 50 points this season. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a player hated more that's put up 50 points in a season than Middlestat, but I of course am a Middlestat homer. Anyways, Joe, continue. Uh, I say let him cook. I'm right there with you, Tanner. Let him keep going until he burns. Uh Dan, I see you got something on YouTube there. I th- I know we're we're 5 minutes out from the end of the show, so let's rip it. What do you say? Rip it and stick it. <laughs> It's pick time, baby! Oh, yeah! It's picks time! Woo! Super Bowl, Super Bowl picks! Hey, wait, 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 wait. We can't say Super Bowl. we got to say the big game, remember? Oh. That's right. That's a that's a, a trademarked phrase. Dan, you just... Well... You infringe copyright upon WBNY. I um, hope you know that. Okay. Whatever. Uh, the big game! The last picks of the year! We're all the standing up. time that I get to yell into a mic this closely again... Until next year! Until the Sabres make the Stanley Cup, that is. Or something along the lines of that! <laughs> but of course, being at the big game and me not being able to call DSP, Joe, make your pick! Philadelphia Eagles, baby. Fly, Eagles, fly. I'm going with the guy who picked the Super Bowls right for the last 10 years. I- I'm feeling it. I, I think. That team is more complete than Kansas City is. They have better weapons than Kansas City does. Only thing Kansas City has is the Mahomes and Kelsey connection, and that is dangerous. Don't get me wrong. But I think the NFC is going to win this bout in the Super Bowl. Tanner? I think I might be the only one here. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know all about, all about the Philadelphia Eagles. I know they were the, you know, their defense had 70 sacks in the regular season, which is tied for third most all time in NFL history, but you know, you mentioned the only thing, one of the only things that uh, Kansas City has over Philadelphia is that number 15, Patrick Mahomes. I think even on one foot, he is one of one. You know, there's nobody else that can that can replicate what he is able to do and you know Andy Reid came out actually today and said that there's pretty much nothing Mahomes can't do in the Super Bowl he's close to 100% despite that foot injury so I'm going to take the guy that's been there and done it I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs like a lot of NFL people just want to vilify Mahomes because he's like the next goat in training I guess you could say but how can you hate Patrick Mahomes he just seems like you know such a down-to-earth humble likable guy but I'm going to take Kansas City one last time. Turn your mic down. Clap for your NFC Conference Championship, Philadelphia Eagles, and be ready to give up on ground and accept the match. I got my headphones over and I don't care. The Philadelphia Eagles are 
<laughs> I, I'm still doing this without headphones for a minute, but you know. Oh my uh, gosh! Since I'm Dan's translator, I speak fluent Danglish. He's basically saying Eagles, Eagles, fly, Eagles win the fly. Super Bowl. Oh, uh, big game, I should say. The big game. The big game. The big game. Oh, now the time. Now it's the end of the show, and I'm out of breath. Always a good sign. And now we're going to shout out our socials. Joe, go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at TheBuffalonian and on Instagram at Joe Kelly. I am on Twitter at TJ Saunders 2000 and on Instagram at Tanner underscore Saunders 2000. And you can find me on Twitter at double underscore D capital WBNY. And we are going to not only see you Wednesday, but we're going to see you Monday. And we're going to see you Friday. We're bringing back the schedule. We're going back three days a week. Three times a bus. Oh, boy, it's going to be a fun semester. Uh, We'll see everybody on Monday. Go Eagles.